Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us as he does every week at this time, he's our resident big game expert. He, he even caught a fish once, I understand. That's Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I had to throw that even caught a fish once because I was talking to Steve Panaz. We were talking about Steve's in the Hall of Fame, you know, and yep. Steve asked me why I wasn't. Steve asked me why I wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet. I said, "Well, they said that I'd have to catch one more fish. The one I caught wasn't enough to qualify." So, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so a lot, a lot going on, my friend. I mean, it's got to be a tough time of the year for you just to decide what to do. I know that you are so religious about getting ready for hunting. I mean, that's it, Terry. Again, you know, we talk about it every week. There's so much going on. And honestly, the rain has has thrown a curveball in both directions, in both fishing and hunting, um, that came in. You know, I, I'm a big fan of drought. I Obviously, you know, for our state with fire and everything else, I love to have rain. But as, a, as an outdoorsman, lower water situations, I catch a lot more fish in. Drought situations, I eliminate water holes, and I can really build patterns um, on existing things. So we were coming into a very hot, dry year, and I was in heaven. Now we have a lot of water, um, and it's changing both things. It brought on an absolute tremendous pike fishing bite, both spinnerbaits, jerkbaits, topwater. The pike went from going good to going amazing. So that fishing just really kicked up, um, which kind of throws a spin on things. Uh, the hunting side, you know, I thought we were all ready for pronghorn, which opens up here, you know, August 15th. Um, you know, I, I had some water holes that dried up, which made the animals focus on other water holes. I was very excited about it. Elk, a lot of wallows dried up. I found the wallows that are going to be key, um, and now new ones are springing up. So really this moisture has brought on a lot of changes it's going to make a little more emphasis on some additional scouting on the hunting side um, and it's increased a lot of fishing activity to where i was telling myself hey spend more time hunting you know the the pike bite's not quite on fire yet um, and now everything's happening so a lot going on in the state for sure now i know you want to talk also about the changing of dates and hunting i'm going to give you a heads up that before we finish up we had a question online about line for a bait caster and you and i might not agree but at the end of the segment let's talk a little bit about that but in addition to the water the timing of the hunting seasons has changed this year right absolutely terry you know and it's kind of one of those things that it's something we've been asking for forever as as a hunter in colorado you know every year we when you end say an archery season you know in middle or later september the third week of september those bulls are so running hard and we always wish, man, we wish had a little bit more time. We wish we'd push back a week. Um, and in the rifle season, when you approach that fourth rifle, whether you have wintering grounds for your bulls or you have deer approaching the rut, same thing. We always wish, you know, hey, I wish we had a little more time, uh, you know, just have a little bit later season to hunt these animals. And this year we have that. You know, archery got pushed back quite a ways. Um, you know, so we're going to have some prime rut activity uh, towards the late of September. There's more times or more situations that we just haven't had in the past um so everything got shifted a little bit so it's really the best of all worlds this year i would say that your you know your archery deer and elk got pushed 
back a little bit. So it's going to give us a little bit more time in the colder weather of the later September, um, more so on the elk side than the deer side. But we're really anticipating a great archery hunt. The first rifle hunt is earlier. Um, and they shaved off a couple of days of that third rifle to where we're giving the animals a little bit more break. And they push the fourth rifle a little later. Um, so really, it's lining up to have almost the best of all worlds, I would say, as a big game hunter here in Colorado. So so just excited about it. But with that being said, I think it's going to change things up just a hair. Um, more on the opportunity side, but a lot of your hunters who – normally go out opening day of the archery elk season, you know, which normally is going to be that, that into the third week of, of August. Um, this year, we're not having that. So a lot of times we start off you know, hunting water holes, hunting in blinds. We're, we're not used to the elk being anywhere near the rut. And then, you know, we usually get a week to 10 days of that style of hunting. And then we slowly start coming into more of those rut activities and the elk being vocal. Um, this year, by missing that early week, um, we're going to miss a little bit of that waterhole opportunity when it's, you know, just blazing hot 90 degrees of August. Um, you know, we're not starting until, you know, early September with our tags this year. So it's just changing things up. And I think, you know, the average hunter is looking more for that calling situation, that very vocal situation. So I don't think it's going to affect them that much is just going to help them but the guys that do spend a lot of time on water holes and a lot of guys you know in that spot and stock type situation um it's definitely going to change that up a little bit so it's going to help you out um but it's going to going to help out the guy who's calling but the water hole thing is going to slow down just a hair um so really we're just anticipating those changes um the other biggest thing that we talk about is Mule deer, especially in the high country, so talking more mountain zones, not out east, but the mountain zone mule deer, they are in a pattern right now. I literally just came out of the woods, just drove to where I have service. I was scouting all morning, and these bucks have been in a pattern for a while now, and that pattern always stays true until the bucks lose their velvet. Um, This is something that I've talked to biologists i've talked to leading experts you know at the mule deer foundation and we all wish we knew what happened it's really there's a lot of speculation but nobody really knows but these deer stay in that rut or stay stay in their summer patterns uh very strong until they rub off that velvet when they rub off that velvet sometime you know the the end of the first week of september um into the second week of September, we always say it's somewhere between like September 8th and the 15th. Somewhere in there, these bucks are going to shed that velvet. And when they do so, that's when their patterns change. They almost, I don't know if they go nocturnal, they migrate. A little bit of everything happens. And they kind of go into a, a little bit of a, a funk until the rut starts, um, you know, as you start getting into late October, early November. Um, so with that being said, we are pushing for crunch time on the mule deer hunt. So if you're an archery hunter here in Colorado chasing mule deer, normally you have you know dang near two weeks to chase these mule deer in a very summer pattern. And by moving the seasons later this year, we're shortening that pattern up. So you're really going to be down to, say, a week um, of hunting these deer in a very summer pattern before they start rubbing off that velvet. So that is one of the other things that is going to change. So again, just some changes across the board. Um, I think it's important to think about, you know, I think most people know what the season dates are, but I really, you know, encourage people to think about their past hunts, think about the timing of those hunts, and think about how things are going to change this season versus the last. Try to adapt for them and be ready for a great hunting season. Well, and you need to be adapting your scouting habits right now because you're going to be looking for different terrain, different patterns, different places almost to hunt, maybe in the same area, 
but the, you're going to have to adapt your scouting even now, don't you? Absolutely, 100%. You're, you're definitely planning uh, on where things are going to be, where things are going to change. Um, try to anticipate all of those situations. So you know, if you're a, a rifle hunter, say with a first rifle tag, um, you know, you're going to really anticipate that being starting you know, in earlier October than normal, starting I believe on the 10th. Um, you're going to anticipate hunting these bulls in a rut-style situation, so where on a later year when that falls later, you, know, you start getting some snow, you can really anticipate those animals coming off the rut and almost hunting in the winter pattern. As opposed to this year, you're going to be hunting those those big elk in a rut-type situation, so you're scouting for that. Um, you can almost scout as if you're archery hunting and really get a, a good pattern and build that up. Uh, again, across the board, if you're that, that archery hunter, you're looking for different things, especially anticipating maybe that the – the normal drinking holes might not be as effective. You're really looking more for a wallow, which is going to bring on more of a rut-style situation. So instead of the average water hole, I'm looking more mud, more of that that increased activity that's going to happen with the rut being it later in the season. So I'm definitely trying to scout for what I uh, what I plan on is going to be happening this coming fall. All right, I want to switch things up. You started out the segment. You mentioned the pike fishing is on fire. That's a great segue for us because a lot of times we use bait casting reels to fish for pike and bass and some species, although you can fish for all of them with a spinning rod. Uh, we got a question on the text line. What line do you recommend for a bait caster? I'll kind of set the stage with my thoughts, and I'll let you take it. But I, Absolutely. I like – I um. Uh, one of the benefits of a bait caster, well, first of all, make sure you want to use a bait caster. It takes time and practice to be good with it. If you're not going to do time and practice with a bait caster, adapt your techniques to a more heavy duty spinning reel and you won't get as frustrated. But bait casters have definite advantages. I have several in my arsenal. Bait casters will accommodate almost any line whether it's mono, floral, or the super lines, because of the way they wind, you don't have to worry as much about memory, stiffness, and they, they hold a lot more line typically than a spinning reel, so you can get heavier um, breakpoint lines on a bait caster also. I used to put a series of different lines on my bait casters. I would put um, some with, with heavy mono for pulling uh, bass out of heavy wormed areas, but where I had some stretch. I'd put some with fluorocarbon that I could get things down more quickly and have the clearer fluorocarbon. And then with the advent of Superline, I'd put some very heavy. A typical bait caster, if I could only have one, I'd probably put 20-pound braid, a good braid that I really would pack tightly on, and then I would change the leaders. And I can fish a number of situations with that. But if you have multiple bait casters, you're going to look at different line tests. How do you approach your bait casting reels? Absolutely, I think you really nailed it on the head there, so I think you covered most of it. The thing I'm going to say is if somebody's asking this question, I don't know if they're new to the bait casting world or not, um, I'm going to start off with that. The biggest thing I think if you're new to the casting world and you're, you're just getting started or maybe you're just not that great with it yet um, – I, I preach mono, a heavy mono, like a 14-pound mono um, is how I start my, my ability to use a bait cast. When you're starting to use you know, some of the super lines, whether that's braid or fusion, they're going to be faster on that reel. They're going to you know, just, again, thinner line. 
um, and they're going to cause the the spool to go a little faster, which is going to help you increase that uh, that overall backlash rate, which we hate. Um, and when you do get a backlash, it's going to be a little harder to get that backlash out. Um, so it gets more frustrating. That's where you see people wanting to give up or not use the casting reel as much because of the frustration. So for me, when I'm starting, I'm running heavy mono, 14, 17-pound mono. Um, again, it's a little more forgiving on the cast. It's a lot easier to get tangles out. If you do get a bad situation, it's you know affordable to cut and re-spool. Um, so that's going to help you out and really take you a long ways. And once you get you know confident with that casting reel, I really judge my line to my situation. Um, you know, so for me, I, I use a spinning reel for a lot of stuff. It's just kind of what I do. But for me, you know, like this week we've been throwing top water for pike. I want to have a slower hook set on top water. I get so excited when those big pike blow up a top water bait that I tend to set the hook too quick. Even though I know I have to wait, I know I need to feel them, I still just get excited. So I run mono on my casting rods for, for top water simply for the fact that I get a little stretch, it's a little more forgiving, and my hook rate is going to be better with that mono because it slows me down. Then all of a sudden I'm throwing you know big spinner baits in the weeds for, for those big pike. I run a fusion, so I run Fireline Fusion because that line is flatter. It's not round like a braid. If I have a big pike, a 40-inch, that grabs a bait and then dives through a bunch of weeds, if I put pressure on that fusion, that flat line actually cuts through the weeds, allowing me to get direct contact back to that fish and helps me land that fish. So, again, mono to start just to get good with the casting reel. Then after there, I really judge my line to my technique and, and what I'm doing uh, to, to dial in the right situation. And if you do go to the super lines, you'll see the bass fishermen on TV. They're down south, and they'll talk 50, 60-pound braid or even musky and pike fishermen. And there's a place for that. I have bait casters, large ones, rigged up for those big fish. But most of the time, before we had super line, when we fished those situations, we used 17- and 20-pound monofilament. Now it's stretched, but you can go 20-, 30-pound braid and still get a line that's small enough in diameter to get plenty on a spool and and still get adequate casting distance, even throwing a crankbait or a spinnerbait. And uh, so you can get a lot of versatility. And when you get where you can control that with your thumb, you know, you've, you know the settings on modern baitcasters make it much easier. Don't try to overcast. Um, but once you get where you can control that, um, just changing leaders, like you don't want a, 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 a um you don't want a uh, fluorocarbon leader on a surface lure because it'll make it sink. So just understand the situations. I think you did a great job of telling us. Nate, any, anything, any last-minute comments before we let you, you know, go? The last thing I, I'd say I'd talk about just on the line real quick, same thing. I mean, if you grab a, a pound, say 20-pound braid or even 20-pound fusion, and you try to break it, you can't. I mean, it's almost a hassle when you get snagged because the line is so strong. The line has blown up in, in technology uh, and advancements. The line is not what it used to be even a couple of years ago. So, again, we're even in crazy situations where I would step up to like a 30-pound braid or a 40-pound braid, even talk 50, 60. I just I don't see those situations anymore. I don't have the tackle, the rod, or the baits that can handle that. So, again, even though in our heads we want some of this heavier stuff, I, I think you're almost doing yourself a disadvantage by going too heavy because you're losing castability. Um, you're going to lose the sink rate of some of those baits. 
Um, again, the line market is blown up. It's great equipment. Generally speaking, you can go lighter on your line now and get the benefits of all worlds. So just keep that in mind. Even if you're a musky fisherman, huge pike, huge lakers, um, I mean, anything over 20 is really honestly almost extreme. I'm almost doing everything with 14 to 20-pound super lines, um, and I have no issues. I promise you the line is the last thing that breaks in the equation of the rig. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I fish bass in the heaviest cover in the United States and very seldom have over 20-pound tests. My friend, we're out of time. How do people get a hold of you if they want more information? Absolutely. You can always go to our Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors, our website. Uh, we're going to have a lot of information coming soon on ice addiction. We're also doing some boat demos at Catch Rate this coming Wednesday. Uh, so we've got some cooler weather coming, so we're really excited about that. So go to our Facebook page. You can learn about Catch Rate. You can learn about the boat demos we're doing uh, and all the other information we're having. So, again, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook will get you everything you need. All right, Nate Zielinski, thanks for joining us. We're going to take a quick time out. Brad Peterson's going to join us, and we're going to talk more fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Jim Croce died way too young. A giant of the music industry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Let's go right to the phones, and joining us, I believe he's on the water at Boyd Lake is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Yep, we are on the water right now. You know, uh, you can tell me in a bit how you're doing, but one of the things we've been talking about today is the fact that, you know, in a normal year, we've had some high water years. We've been pretty fortunate the last couple. We started with the lakes and the reservoirs full this year. But now we're seeing more of a normal, hot, dry July. The farmers are pulling water. The water's dropping. It creates mud lines. It pulls fish off the banks. Um, are you seeing a big change in the fish activity? You know, I, I'm starting to see it, but the, we've got kind of a unique dynamic going on at Boyd right now. And Boyd, actually, this at this time of year, is actually filling a little bit right now. Um, they're taking water out of some of the lakes upstream to put it in Boyd, so it's not affecting Boyd as much as it is some of the others. Now, I talked with a park ranger out there at uh, Jackson yesterday, and he said they're looking, uh, they're dropping real fast, and they expect to be closing that ramp in the next week or two. So if you're wanting to get out east and get in some of the fishing on those bodies of water, you know, you're going to need to do it definitely by August 10th, or a lot of those places you're not going to be able to launch a boat at. And some of the fishing, you know, people think of these are the dog days of summer because the fish pull off a structure, The bait, especially those eastern lakes, the, the bait fish have hatched and the fish are suspending. And I'm hearing stories of big wipers on some of these lakes that people might want to get after. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, they've had uh, two wipers at Jackson over 30 inches in the last uh, 10 days or wow. so. But um, outside of that, I haven't talked to anyone that's been on the water. I was there about two weeks ago, and the the walleye bite was decent, but the wiper bite was still a little spotty. And, um, you know, so I'm not sure about that. Sterling, I was out there uh, about a week ago, and Sterling had a decent bite going on. Surprisingly, there were still some fish shallow, but it's dropping about six inches a day. So I would expect those fish to get out suspended. And then yesterday out here at Boyd, we caught a, you know, pretty good 14, 15-inch rainbow, and it was spitting up a bunch of shad, and all of them were about an inch and a half long. 
And that matches almost exactly with like a number four size crankbait. So if you're wanting to get out and do some trolling, um, if you want to match the hatch, you know, try a number four. Or if you're wanting to kind of stand out from the crowd, you might want to go with something just a little bit bigger, maybe a a size seven that uh, doesn't look like everything else natural that's swimming around out there. All right, so what are you hearing on some of the other lakes like Jumbo, maybe Pruitt? Uh, are people still catching fish? Or the water, is a, are the ramps still open? Um, Pruitt, last I checked about a week ago, the ramp was still open. A few people are catching fish, you know, out there doing the suspended thing. Same with Jumbo. Uh, the fish have pulled off the, the shoreline. You might find a few fish out there in the, um, uh, out there on the middle hump at Jumbo. I do know there's a pretty good trolling bite going on at Union right now. Um, Horse tooth, as you probably know, being up in your neck of the woods, is dropping almost a foot a day. So the shoreline bite there is almost non-existent. Uh, The fish have pulled out to the deep structure or suspended. I do know some people are getting some fish trolling at night, some larger walleyes using stick baits uh, imitating the smelt. So there is that potential bite going on. I did uh, post an article that I wrote for the Denver Post on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, yesterday about the dropping water and the lakes in the area and how it can create mud lines and how that affects the fish and and how it affects the fishermen, too. So people who want to fish these lakes, like horse tooth with the dropping water, may want to take a look at that article. It's a column I wrote. Actually, a couple years ago, we were going through a similar situation. So you're on Boyd. What's going on there? You know, Boyd, there still is a a bait bite going on um, in kind of that... uh, 15-foot depth range or so. There's some people still catching fish trolling at about that depth. Uh, boy, it can be hard to get out on those suspended fish just because of the boat traffic that goes on in the lake. Um, and so, you know, we've been catching. We're out here. We've been out here the last two days, and they've caught largemouth, smallmouth, uh, bluegill perch, walleye, and even some trout. So a good variety of fish are biting out here. And this is a time of year that you can, you know, run into some of the better size uh, walleye and bass. Um, The bass, there's a few out on the deeper weed edge, and some are up real tight to uh, the flooded wood cover. And if you want to go pitch in there, that's good. Trout are really high in the water column. So if you want to get out real early in the morning, you can try uh, either pulling planer boards or if you're fishing from shore, pitching a spinner. Uh, the little shad are up, up shallow, so you get them up there until the boat traffic starts kicking in. And then I have not uh, seen much going on for the white bass yet. Uh, saw a couple boils about a week ago, and I haven't seen any since then. So the white bass, you would think, would start getting up here on some of these shad, but they haven't really started yet. And when those white bass do start, it's assuming they're not having a down cycle um, the action can be phenomenal. In fact, I've gone out and floated around just in the middle of the lake looking for boils and just cast small crankbaits to those boils for the white bass. Um, and you talked about the trout being up. There was one day out there doing that that I actually caught more trout up on top chasing the shad than I did white bass. Sounds like that's kind of what you're seeing right now. Yeah, we had a, a funny one yesterday. We were bringing in about a a 17, 18 inch walleye. 
and it was there right behind it was a 12 inch trout following it up i went to net the walleye and almost got the trout that was just following the walleye up at the same time so <laughs> yeah you know pretty- the trout are the trout are kind of spread all over the water column right now and you're going to pick some up um pretty much doing anything i wouldn't say there's any really great pattern to go target a bunch of them but you definitely can go out there and catch you know uh, a few here and there and make for a fun fun addition to your trip last question if um you haven't seen much of the white bass on the surface. Any indication they might be schooled where you could go after them with spoons or jigging wraps or something? I have not seen them. I've been looking for them to do that, and I have not seen them yet. And most of the shad are staying pretty shallow, less than 10 feet. So I, I, I'm guessing that maybe the white bass are up there real shallow, and you just aren't marking them with your depth finder. All right, Brad, if people want more information or to book a trip, how do they get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me is uh, Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303-829-3998. We do still have some availability in August coming up. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again very soon. Okay, thanks a lot, Terry. Good. Tight lines. We'll talk to you soon. He's a great resource, Brad. Uh, by the way, we talked about the white bass on Boyd Reservoir. Um, I did a show out there uh, a few years ago where we threw little topwaters when those white bass did show up. And when they show up on the surface and they're busting shad, it's almost a fish on every cast. We were out there filming a television show. It probably took us less than an hour. We kept fishing. But it was the action was so incredible. And you can find that episode on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. shows you exactly how we approached Boyd Lake for those white bass when they turned on. And it can be one of the most fun bites in Colorado. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the folks at Colorado Clays, and we're going to talk some shooting. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Baby, get a blister on your phone. Yeah, you're all over it today, Kyle. Dire straits. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors Gear, serving the outdoor public for 65 years. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite contributors from Colorado Clays, J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Good morning, Terry. You know, before we start talking about Colorado Clays, I'm going to throw this out there. We've been talking a lot about big wipers being caught up and down the front range in certain bodies of water during the show. I mean, huge wipers. I happen to know that you caught four within a short period of time over the last while that ranged from about 8 to 11 pounds. Now, I'm not going to tell people where you caught them, but they're going to have to come out to Colorado Clays and ask for JR to find out where and how you caught those fish. That's right, Terry. And, you know, it just goes to show even I can stumble into a good one now and again. <laughs> oh, you do pretty well. You do pretty well, my friend. Um, if, if they're going to have to come out there, first thing we should tell them is where you're located. Well, Terry, we're very convenient, just north of DIA, east of Brighton. Um, I-76, get on it from anywhere, take the Bromley exit and follow the signs in. It could not be easier to get to. No, it's, it's a great place. Describe the facility. We haven't done that for a while. Tell people everything you have out there. Well, Terry, you know, for the same as we've been doing for the last 24 years, 
Uh, Colorado Clays is Colorado's premier public shooting facility. Uh, we feature and offer to everyone in Colorado the finest in rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, wobble traps, sporting clays, and even shotgun patterning opportunities. We do it year-round, six days a week. Uh, we don't require a membership or a reservation. So come on out and see us. We've got it covered. You know, we talked about we talk a lot about the rifles and the shotguns. Of course, the shotguns a lot, and the rifles getting ready for hunting, which I want to touch on a little later. But a lot of people are buying handguns right now. Uh, you know, whenever a crisis hits, handgun sales take off. And I'm a gun owner, so I believe in gun rights. But I also know that owning a gun is a huge responsibility, a firearm, and it should never be taken lightly. And you need to be trained properly. Uh, before you even consider having a gun for any type of use, you need to understand how it operates, you understand the law, and you need to understand the safety practice, the practices of safely handling a firearm. Now, that a lot of people are buying handguns for the first time. You do have a handgun range. How do you guys approach it out at at um, at Colorado Clays? Well, well, Terry, on that note, I'll tell you what. There, there's plenty of options. Of course, you know, Colorado Clays, we check people in. Um, we make sure we do everything safely, and uh, our range is well-suited for any kind of pistol shooting. But uh, on the note of all the new guns and uh, even uh, a lot of this new concealed carry stuff, um, I've got some classes here that uh, will take anybody, whether you want to get a permit or not, and uh, just put you at next level in handling firearms and doing it safely. So I, I ask everyone to inquire about that when they come to Colorado Clays. Well, when you take that class, even if you never want to carry a gun, it does really go through a lot of the safety and the legal issues, doesn't it? Right. So, and you know, Terry, I think I'll take a minute to go ahead and go over this. So the concealed carry class is a course that you must complete through a certified instructor or institution, such as Colorado Clays, which upon completion earns you a certificate that you can then present to the law enforcement agency in the county in which you reside to obtain your concealed carry permit. Now, the question, why choose Colorado Clays? Well, that's real easy. First, and I've told you this a bunch of times, Terry, we have the most highly qualified, certified, and trained staff in the industry. Uh, next, of course, Colorado Clays is Colorado's premier shooting facility, so all aspects of the concealed carry, whether it's the classroom, the safety, gun function, shooting, etc., cetera, uh, that can be done in one perfect environment at a location that we just talked about that's easily accessible from any of the front range. And last, really, Colorado Clay's concealed carry format is so in-depth, informative, and educational that I, I literally would recommend that everyone take this class, whether you ever plan to get a permit or not, and regardless of your current skill level. And real quickly, Terry, the, the general course outline, because people, you don't really hear a lot about this, but I think it's important that people understand. Um, one of the things we do is just a general mental preparation, awareness, and responsibility of carrying a firearm, whether it's for concealed carry applications or not. Um, situational awareness education and tactics. And that's not just for responding to encounters, but it also teaches you how to avoid them. And that, that's very important out there in the real world as well. Uh, we have skills and tactic exercises that not just demonstrate and uh, review basic safe gun handling, but safe gun handling 
uh, in a concealed carry uh, situation, meaning how to draw and reholster gun safety. Uh, we'll do exercises for presentation, positioning and movement, etc. cetera. Uh, and then, of course, we'll do our shooting activities and training opportunities during that whole class as well. Uh, another consideration is the tools and equipment you use. So uh, a lot of people may or may not have a gun or may want to get a different one. We can talk about gun choices. We can talk about holster options, um, carry positions on your body, and how your body type of, is a, a factor in choosing those um, tools. So, and, of course, like you said, laws. You, know, you learn about Colorado's concealed carry laws and restrictions and um, even working with law enforcement if you need to. I mean, we have segments on that as well. And, of course, everybody gets an NRA handbook uh, to keep and review and have all their information as well. So I think when you take all of that and much more that I can't even cover now and add that to the fact that it's at Colorado Clay's state-of-the-art semi-indoor pistol facility, there just is no better choice for concealed carry or like you said, the most comprehensive hands-on handgun training available anywhere. I agree with you completely. Before we run out of time, I do want to move on to um, where hunting season is going to be on us very quickly. I assume you're doing all the you have all the things available. You're going to have your scope clinics, clinics. You're going to be do sighting in. Tell me a little bit about what's available out there. Well, Terry, as always, um, if you're a bird hunter, Colorado Class has something to prepare you for any season. Uh, I'm already seeing a few dove hunters, and, of course, taking advantage of that patterning area uh, gives you some good insight on how your loads are working with your gun at a given distance. Our, uh, all of our stuff, our clays course, our skeet fields, wobble trap, trap, all throw at targets. It's very similar in size to doves, and the great thing about Colorado clays is you can come out here and you can work on the presentations that give you trouble, and that's generally the birds you miss um, are the ones that, give you looks that you didn't get to practice so we're here for that and then of course uh you know got a few muzzle loaders coming in terry we're starting to get some guns on paper and uh that that beautiful rifle facility is makes it so easy with our video viewing system all of the rest you need we have lead sleds we have every type of rest we have sitting standing and prone shooting positions available so I definitely encourage everyone to get out and start preparing themselves and their equipment because it's going to get on us fast. And you have your scope sighting clinics going on, or are they starting soon? The sighting clinics generally are going to be coming up just before first season rifle. Um, we haven't set the date yet. I definitely check the website or give us a call, and uh, we're working on those right now. And I, again, encourage everybody to do that because there's so much information available to you about your gun, uh, ballistics, uh, ammo choices, scope mounting, bore sighting, et cetera, that uh, you can get with just a simple hour or two down there with one of our professionals. That'll put you light years ahead. All right. Where do they find you then? Give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to the website, coloradoclays.com. Take the virtual tour. Um, send us an email, ask a question if you have one, and then uh, we'll get you out here and get you going. And next time I won't miss the call to go out and catch those big wipers with you. Somehow I missed that invitation. I don't think I had signal, Terry. Uh, it must have been something like uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> My friend, thank you so much. You have a good rest of the weekend. Okay, thank you, Terry. 
You bet. That's Jr. from Colorado Clays. Go ask him about those wipers. You'll be surprised where and how he caught them, and you can go do it too. Hey, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, um, we're going to talk more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. don't expect me to start talking during this song, do you? Take it to the limit. This must be one of the Eagles' all-time best songs, I think. A good way to uh, put the cherry on top of the show, I think. Oh, it is. It's uh, these. Uh, they're so good. You're listening to Cherry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Um, I want to remind you to follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Our YouTube channel has so much fishing that's right here in your backyard. And if you want to take a trip somewhere, we have shows that were filmed all over North America, all the way actually down to Costa Rica, up to the Arctic Circle. And that's the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. There's about 140 episodes up there out of the 300 we filmed. We add more on a regular basis. Uh, a lot of the fishing we talked about on the show today is on that YouTube channel. And you got to follow us on Facebook, not only to know what's going on in this show, but also because uh, we're going to start trivia again. I'm almost done lining up the prizes, so I would hope by next week we will have a trivia question, and the answer is always on our Facebook page. Of course, some people, like someone who's probably in the studio right now, thinks they know the answer to every trivia question, even when it's not on my Facebook page. Is that right, Mr. Dan? I look forward to dominating the trivia segment next week. Yeah, well, you know that you're not eligible. Why not? Because you work at the fan. In fact, you didn't get. You had the trivia question last time and didn't get anything. I nailed it, and then you did not give me my prize, which I'm still sore about. Well, we're going to take care of that right now. I think we have Austin Parr on the line from Discount Tackle. Austin, are you there? Is Austin? Can you, can you hear me, Terry? Yeah, I can hear you now. Austin, I got you now. Here I am. Dan Dan is complaining that last time he nailed the trivia question, which had, we have to go back and listen to the tape and verify that. But he is not eligible. But you said you were going to do something special. Tell me about it. Uh, absolutely. So I heard about this, and we uh, tried to do it during the uh, the last trivia segment. didn't quite work out, but we're going to go ahead and get Dan one of those knives that was on uh, the trivia prize from last time. Wow, thank you. What do you, you. think about that? What do you think about that? Well, Mr. I think Jacob? it's much deserved on my part, so I really appreciate that. But Austin, <laughs> thank you so much for stepping up. I really appreciate that. I'm going to uh, uh I will relish the uh the new uh tool in the toolbox. Oh, Absolutely. We'll look forward to getting getting it to you. Uh, we will, uh, Dan, Dan, Karen will get you Austin's contact information so you can stop by his store and pick up your knife, okay? That's outstanding. Thanks, guys. All right. Absolutely. Now, I have to say thank, thank you so much, Austin. That's Austin Parr from Discount Tackle. Great fish. And by the way, when you're there, Dan, if you want any fishing advice, this is the guy to ask, Austin. Let me right. tell well, you about I, that. I would okay. much rather ask him than you. Yeah, well, you know, I have another <laughs> comment to make. You come across as this badass antagonist, yes, and you pretend like you hate everybody and you're mad at the world, and then I find out that on Thursdays you do this marketplace program to help feed needy people. 
Yeah, you know, so, I'm actually pretty excited about that because um, you actually, you guys talk about grilling every now and then on the show, like how you grill up, you know, your fish and stuff. Um, I don't do a lot of fish, but I, I used to own a barbecue company. I learned how to barbecue in um, Kansas when I went to law school. And so, uh, you know, every week we... I'm we, glad you learned something when you were in law school. Exactly. Yeah, it certainly wasn't the law, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah um, I'm actually really excited about this week because um, I, my dream... So what we do is once a week, we give out free groceries to anybody that needs them. So you just pull up, it's contactless. We just throw the groceries in your trunk. And then I help run the kitchen where we give free meals. Uh, you know, so it's just like, hey, here's your groceries. How many meals do you need? And, you know, 8, 10, 12, whatever. And then we just give you, you know, that many hot lunches. And which is really cool is we got some donations this week, uh, monetary donations. My dream had been I'd wanted to do brisket. Because I, you know, not to toot my own horn, Terry, which I would never do. You know that. Oh, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think, I, I like to think I make a pretty mean brisket. And so thanks to some generous donations... We're actually going to be able to do a barbecue uh, week this week. So I'll be doing brisket, smoked turkey, smoked ham, and uh, it's going to be pretty pretty great. So anybody that needs, you know, struggling with food, uh, food security can stop by noon to 2. Now, what I would encourage is come after 1 because we have a real big line. Everybody shows up early. Um, so I would you know, show up from 1 to 2, and we'll, we'll get you a hot lunch, some, you know, good brisket or barbecue, and some groceries. And that's where do they show up at? So it's Eastern Hills Community Church. It's on Smoky Hill and uh, way out east. I call I live Terry. I call it the Aurora Kansas border. Uh, so it's yeah, basically Smoky Hill and Arapahoe Road. All right. So I'm sure you'll talk more about that. We'll hear more about that. Is there a website or anything people can go to? Um, you can go to ehills.org, but just show up on Thursday, and we'll we'll take care of you. All right. Now I want you to know that. Um, Austin volunteered to give you this trivia prize before he knew you were actually kind of a good guy. Well, hey, I'm really excited about that. That's really cool. I, I appreciate that. And um, I look forward to crushing the trivia segment coming up. By the way, Terry, did you see, I'm sure you saw it, the video of the bear crashing into somebody's house? I've seen so many videos. You know, in all honesty, we had, we've had 1,800 bear encounters in Colorado this year already. Yeah, well, it's crazy. There's a video. Um, I don't know if, like, the bear got on his backside and kicked open the door, but a, a bear. Is that common, Terry, that a bear will just kick in a, a deadbolt? Not usually. Usually they're smart enough. They figure out how to open the door. They'll come through a window. But <laughs> if, they've learned, if they've learned that there's food there, they'll find a way to get in. That's why you have to make sure to keep those odors down. In fact, we've done several shows on bear awareness. People can go to 1043thefan.com and go back to my podcast and listen to them. But um, uh, all, I, all I ask is that when you stop by, and pick up your prize from Austin that when you come back on your show, you give them a little plug because they, they volunteered they volunteered that. On. They're great people down there. Austin's a guide, and he's a discount tackle, and he's just a great, great guy. I have to go because you, you want to talk some sports. Any preview you want to give us real quick? Well, uh, Kyle Berry's lifelong dream came true, and the Rockies played last night, so we'll talk to him about that. All right. All that and more coming up. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. We'll let the Eagles take us past the top of the hour into Dan Jacobson Sports on 104.3 The Fan.
Cool.